3, 2, 1, roll the footage! Welcome back everyone, I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today I have asked Gabriel Lulo to be here because we have to talk about what actually works in sales. Most of it is broken. You guys tell me every day, my cold calling's not working, my prospecting is kind of spammy, I hate the way people call me and approach me, and I don't want to do that. Is there a more human way, a better way, more creative? And so I had to have Gabriel on the show because that's exactly what he does. He's the CEO of Eliup.io uh, and he has so much experience in first being an SDR and then training SDRs. And now we can ask him all the questions that we have. So welcome, Gabe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. By the way, huge fan. And thank you, Simon, so much for uh, bringing me on the call. We have a lot to discuss for sure, to your point, what you said before. There's a lot of things that people are struggling with that need, I think, some some guidance on. You have worked with the big brands. You have helped so many people get their sales straight. We We have a ton of questions. The first one is, if cold calling doesn't work 90% of the time, should we stop doing it? Yeah, for sure. So I guess we have to kind of dissect what you mean by it not working 90% of the time, because I personally think cold calling does work, but it only works if you are good at it, right? And if you're doing it to the right people. And I think what happens is it's garbage in, garbage out. You absolutely need to have an outbound cold calling method and engine within your omni-channel approach. I'm not saying it's the silver bullet. I'm not saying it's the only thing you should be doing, but you should actually not, not do it. But at the end of the day, you need to fine tune it and you need to make sure that you're working with a specialized focus on how to do it correctly. That would be my approach for sure. And how do you know that you should stick to it versus, eh, maybe find another channel. Yeah, I mean, right now it's, you know, the list is really where it all starts, right? So a lot of companies are cold calling randomly. They're spraying and praying. Their scripts are not dialed in. Uh, it's very templated. Uh, we're putting very, very, very entry level people on the, on the cold calls to talk to the most highest level of people, CEOs and VPs and and we're asking them to get meetings um, from someone who just started in sales two, three, four months ago to get a CEO to say yes to a, a meeting is very difficult. And so what we need to be doing is firstly, starting with the right data, dialing in that ICP, using amazing technology that's out there to use to actually execute those phone calls. So we're actually calling it at scale and then really humanizing that conversation so it stands out and it doesn't sound like the hundred other SDRs that are calling those same people, right? Do you even expect people to call back or to pick up? Or do you expect that it will take like a couple cycles of 90 days and it's one part of, let's say, a series of contact points like marketing is? Yeah, well, at first I never expect anyone to call back on a voicemail. 
the way we look at voicemail is just as a marketing piece. It's just another touch. It's brand awareness, and it's there to set up the next time you call them, right? Don't leave two or three voicemails in a day. You look like a stalker. But I always like to leave one voicemail. If I'm calling someone maybe twice a day, I'll leave one voicemail. And then what we do is we train our team, say, hey, you can reference that voicemail. What it does, it actually puts them almost in a guilty conscience that they didn't call you back. And they should now be listening to you the next time you get on the phone call. But it creates a reminder. It creates, again, just another way of, of letting that person know, that prospect know, hey, I'm a real person. I'm really trying to get a hold of you. And uh, I'm calling you with intent and for a reason. That's why I'm calling you twice and left you a voicemail yesterday, right? So that that's the way I think you should approach voicemail. Uh, in regards to them you know, not picking up, again, we have a, a, about a 10 to 15% connection rate. Uh, that's much higher than industry standards. Uh, it could be higher as well if if, uh, if we really narrowed down the data even further, but then you may not have enough people to call either. either. So our connection rates are how we uh, gauge uh, those meeting appointments and also obviously quotas and, and then revenue from there. You mentioned the quality of the list in the first place. Uh, yeah. How to ensure that the quality of the leads and the quality of the list in terms of targeting and spe specificity is right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, data is expensive, right? Like we were the founding SDR team for Zoom Info, then Discover Org, and so we know how expensive it can be to get data. Um, we also work with other companies like Apollo. We work with companies like Sales Intel, and I can tell you that it is not cheap to get data, but it's worth it. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. Do you want your teams, you know, calling bad data all day long and you're just burning cash by on payroll because they're not effectively able to communicate? Of course not. Does it make sense to invest in high quality data upfront for sure? But there's a lot of things you can do once you have the data um, that allow you to work more effectively. You know, there's CRMs and tools out there that would, you know, easily allow those call dispositions when you're making those calls to make sure that you're not calling those people again if they're really bad numbers or there's there's really bad information on that list. And then every time you, you attack a day, you're gonna have higher and higher, higher and higher quality lists if you're scrubbing them and organizing them correctly. So keeping that CRM clean, which we all know is next to impossible, but focusing on it, making a concerted effort to do so is going to increase that quality, even from your, your point of view. So that's how I look at it. Tell us about your your company, Eliup, and, mm -hmm. and why the name? Yeah, great question. So 15 years in business, we were not Eliup uh, 10 years ago. We actually were inside sales team was the name of our company. We were, we are an outside agency for companies to come to, to build them an entire infrastructure for their sales organization. But we mostly focus on full cycle sales. And we were very bespoke in that, in that regard. Once we saw the SDR function, the appointment setting, the, the, the BDR function starting to really have a life uh, 10 years ago, um, we said, you know what, let's get into this space because we really can shine here. And I believe more people would want to outsource that function uh, because outsourcing the AE function is a little bit more difficult to do. A lot of people want to keep that in-house, and I agree with that. So Aliyup was born because we're basketball fans and in basketball, uh, it's the ultimate assist. Essentially, you know, 
you throw the ball up at a perfect time in the perfect spot perfectly for someone else to come in and slam dunk it, get all the credit and make the win. And so that's us. I mean, an SDR is not about being the deal. And SDR is not about getting the credit. We don't close deals, right? But we do set it up perfectly to create that ultimate assist for the AEs or the founders to come in and get their business done. So that's why we decided to do it. And, and we, we like to have fun with that analogy. I love this. Are, are you a basketball fan yourself? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I played when I was younger, but I have a 10 year old daughter and she's she's playing basketball for her school. And so I'm living vicariously through her now watching uh, fifth grade girl basketball. It's been it's been very fun to create that competition and get her into the sport. And uh, yeah, we're, we're big fans. What can we do to make it, you know, in a time of automations and everything feeling more mechanical when we get approached? How can we make it more human, more fun? Is it leaving more voicemails, more videos? What, what are you seeing that is more, more human and more genuine and has more, uh, let's say, um, is more appropriate moving forward? Yeah, I mean, that is such a huge conversation for us. You know, we looked at this three years ago and we, like many companies, We're playing uh, Jenga, I don't know if you remember that game, Jenga, with our technology stack. And what I mean by that is we kept adding technology and technology and playing with that and keep putting more and more and more. Oh, that's a cool thing. Oh, wow, we can send videos with AI and they're going to change our, our you know, videos to that person's name. And then we're going to do this. And essentially, it's like we always want to try to automate everything. And what happened was is we were promoting this human approach to sales, which is what we do. But at the end of the day, the product was just a bunch of automation and very spammy type of approach to sales. And we were literally becoming everything we didn't want to become. And uh, we said, you know what, we're throwing everything away. And uh, we told all of our vendors, listen, you have, you know, 30 day notice on the renewal of this contract. And we just sat down for 60 days and decided what do we really want to use to approach the marketplace for our clients? And we got rid of a lot of technology. We also added a lot of technology. Um, but the technology was about how can we, you know, stand out? How can we be more human? How can we differentiate ourselves from all the other SDRs calling this person? And what can we do to make that happen? And that was a huge shift for us. And it's it's literally changed our our clientele. And, and you know, we've, we've grown dramatically because of that shift. Um, to narrow it down, You know, we're using dialers that allow more conversations to happen. But at the end of the day, those conversations are live. We changed our scripts to not sound like a boilerplate templated SDR pitch. We're using voice notes on LinkedIn all the time, uh, which humanizes the entire approach. I'm sure we all get pitch slapped with LinkedIn content date. You know, the minute they connect with you, we don't do that. We are more organic with it. We're creating content. SDRs are creating content. There being thought, many thought leaders in the space uh, to put faces to names. And we use Loom. Um, you know, there's a lot of AI video tools out there. I know a lot of them. We've worked with a lot of them. I like Loom because it really is me on the other end saying authentically why I want to meet this person. And so we're using those things to truly stand out, but also keep that human approach to it, like you mentioned, Simon. I, 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 I feel the listeners asking, but Gabe... If I do it as a founder, that doesn't scale. Sure. 
well, don't, don't do it as a founder, hire us. No, I'm joking. So like, you know, SDRs, you know, a lot of people come to me and say, Gabe, I want to get a VP of sales. And then I want to build SDRs. Founders say this all the time. That's the wrong answer. Because the first thing that you're going to do after you hire your VP of sales is they're going to go ahead and, and hire more people. What I recommend, again, now if you're a developer and you know you're not a salesman as a founder, that's okay. Okay, that's fine. You can start looking at this from a different perspective. But don't hire a very expensive, very uh, costly uh, VP of sales day one. Bring in SDRs to help you scale and bring in SDRs to get meetings on your calendar and then create the revenue in order for you to start building out a function and a leadership at that point. You know, some most of our SDRs sit in our CEO's LinkedIn. They're, they're ghosting in the LinkedIn of the CEOs and allowing those SDRs to be speaking on their behalf in a, in a way that, that you can still create that leverage because you're the founder and you have that credibility, but you don't have to be sitting there prospecting or worrying about trying to scale. I love this. What have you recently changed your mind about in sales? Um, well, we were really apprehensive about the whole AI movement last year. I do think it was overhyped, and I think many agree with me, but I don't think it's going to be overhyped this year. I think a lot of the things we were thinking was going to happen last year is probably going to happen this year and next year. Um, we obviously, you know, kind of got a little scared, frankly, because we were hearing all these SDR jobs are going to be removed because of AI. But then I reminded myself about 10 years, 12 years ago when marketing automation came out. I don't know if you remember this, but marketing automation came out and everyone fired all the SDRs and said, all money goes into marketing. We're going to email everybody in sequences and everyone's just going to sign up and we don't have to sell anything anymore. Well, the reality was is that didn't happen <laughs> and uh, everyone was rehired and SDRs were back in the fold. But I will tell you, there's not an SDR that I know of that doesn't use marketing automation in their day-to-day -day operation. So similarly to AI, AI is most definitely going to make ma massive impacts in the space of prospecting. But is it going to replace it? I don't believe so. Not right now. I mean... I'm sure we'll live in a world where you and I, Simon, are not actually even doing this podcast and my AI you know, avatar is talking to your AI avatar and we're on the beach somewhere. But the, the reality is that should happen for sure, but not right now. And so what we're doing, our biggest change is we're utilizing AI in ways to enhance the SDR's ability to be more human. And that's our approach is like, instead of taking AI and running away from it or just throwing it in and trying to replace everything with it, I think those are two very you know, polar opposites. What we have to look at is how do we create AI to enhance the humanization of our reps? And we, we've been able to find some ways to do that. What was your journey of setting appointments, but then also moving on and starting bringing people in? What have you delegated first, second? And what, what was, you know, which, which delegation uh, did you start with and where are you today? Yeah, for sure. So I still, as the CEO, run my day-to-day -day mostly in the recruitment segment of our business. Uh, the first thing I wanted to take off my plate was financial. I do have a finance degree, but I just didn't want to think about that. You know, send me the annual report, send me the monthly report. I want to know what's going on, but I just want to make sure, like, let's go drive and run on the people side of the business, which is literally our product. Right. Like we don't have widgets, we don't have software, we don't have inventory. Our product 
is people. So from my point of view, just like a CEO would be focusing on product, product, product to make sure it's best in class, my product is world-renowned SDRs and world-renowned people who can communicate effectively. So that's really where I live most of my day still and where I focused in, since the beginning. Uh, but from an operational standpoint, I delegated that. You know, HR, I delegated very quickly. Um, IT and data and, and, and sales enablement, I delegated very quickly. Hired smarter people than me to do that because uh, I'm a sales guy. And so when I founded and started founding these teams of people, that's what I focused on. But still to this day, I'm very much involved in who's coming in the door and who are the people that are going to be representing our clients, uh, because that is truly uh, our, our product at the end of the day. And, and now that you have younger people and junior people setting up appointments for you, how do you handle that? How, how do they get a, a good rate of appointments, even if they are just representing you? Yeah. And you know what? We don't hire SDRs who never did it before. Um, no, now a lot of companies do that. And, and I understand if you have a really great training foundation for sure, that could be done. Um, but we just don't have the bandwidth and nor do our clients want someone to be tested out and cutting their teeth on, on their program. Right. They pay us top dollar to have uh, an ability to onboard and, and start booking meetings tomorrow. Right. So we don't hire people who have never sat in the seat of an SDR. And if they do come to us and they're green and junior, respectfully, we say, hey, go find an SDR job here, there, here, here or there and cu cut your teeth and, and get some emotional calluses and hear the word no a thousand times and know what to say and then come back. And so what we do is, yes, we still have reps that are young in age, but not young in experience. And we have broken it down where we put them through a very rigorous test to determine whether or not they can literally sit in that seat. And so they go through a gauntlet of questions, role-playing sessions live before they're hired. And we throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. And if they can get through us, um, we feel very confident that they can represent us. And, and that's how we do it. So that's our, our recruiting methodology. I love it. And role-plays are something that probably everybody who is listening should do with their team because I've never, I've never experienced a role play session where afterwards people weren't more energized and just right. generally happier than before because it's just fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are now AI tools that are specifically designed for live role plays for SDRs. Um, and so, you know, there's tools that you can put them through and then they can go through, you know, various different ways of throughout the process. It's recorded, it's live, it's on video. And you can, you know, have them work, practice, drill, rehearse, and then come into that role play feeling 10 times better. And it's funny, we record our role plays. It's almost like, uh, you know, mm. those people who are trying to lose weight and they're like before and after pictures, you know. You know, I had oh. 100 pounds. Here's what I look like now. Here's what I look like after going through a workout for a year. Um, we do the same thing and it, it shows that, you know, that evolution, right? So like here, hey, listen, when you started with us, this is what you sounded like. This is what you said. This is what you did on video. And then six months later, here's where we are today. Oh my gosh, right? And that really creates what we think the, one of the most important things in the SDR world is confidence, right? So that creates that confidence more than you've ever seen. And it's, it's a cool way. I'm, I don't know a lot of teams who do that. We do it. It's definitely a, a fun thing to do. 
it's on brand for you. It's like an NBA athlete watching the tape. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One hundred. We say we actually use that analogy all day long. Right. <laughs> NBA athletes, they're using tape. F1 drivers, they're looking at their race every lap. They're looking at their lap every single, you know, at, at every single uh, time they can. And and so we do the same thing. Yeah. You see a pro when they start recording that and taking their everyday actions so seriously that yeah. they want to see the progress over time. Then, you know, you have a pro in front of you in any, in any category, yeah. in any industry. Yeah. We break down reps into four C's. I said, like people ask me all the time, Hey, what, do, what are the things that an SDR needs to have? And the first one is curiousness. They got to be curious. They got to ask questions on the calls. They got to ask questions from their prospects. They have to ask questions from their managers. They just have to be just a curious person and willing and wanting to learn. The second C is coachability. With those curious questions, you obviously need to be willing to be coached, right? And get the answers and listen to those constructive criticisms from the person who you're getting coached from. So coachability is massive. Mm -hmm. Then we go back to what I said earlier, which is confidence. You know, again, a young salesperson calling a VP, director, CEO, you gotta have that confidence. And I always tell people, borrow my confidence until you have your own which is a great way to build confidence, right? And then third and fourthly, I should say is consistency. It's mm -hmm. our favorite word in, in, the, in sales, right? You gotta be consistent. And you know, the day you let up, the week you let up, the month you let up, it's going to exponentially hurt you. And so that's important to know as well. Oh, beautiful. Curious, curiosity, coachability, confidence, consistency. Yes, sir. S such amazing frameworks. And I have so much more questions after one word from our sponsors. What if your business would run well, even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprint's blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprint's method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprint's 12 ways to accelerate growth for an agile business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. Gabe, what makes you happy as a dog? Um, well, seeing other people succeed and take all of the coach coaching that we've given and shine in a big way is really exciting you know we have a, a philosophy here we call the people who've come through our company alley-oop alumni and so a lot of people like they really control their sales team they get really pissed and they have non-competes and all this stuff when people leave them and and i can tell you i understand that maybe from more of a high level you know account executive type of role you want them there for years, I get it. But here as an SDR, it's definitely a more transient position. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people come into our, in our, our community and our environment and they work here for a few years and then they move off to become a director of sales or become an account executive or become a, an owner. And what makes me happy is I've seen over 2000 SDRs come through our company and I can point to so many that are, some of them self-made millionaires because they went out and became you know, uh, did start their own business or, you know, work with a company that, you know, got a great IPO and, you know, all of these successful people who have started in a role some, uh, similar to an SDR. Uh, that's exciting for me. Have you thought of like an incubator 
model where you spin them off and then you partner up with with, with them and maybe co co-found or revenue share because it sounds like you're creating a ton of businesses yeah and we actually do that you know we we have companies i mean and you think about it right who are they going to come back to right they're going to come back to the people they know love and trust they're going to come back to the ones that started off with them and help them get get on that same page so if they go out and start their own business they're going to give me a call and say gabe i need sdrs because they know love and trust us so we also just from a training perspective we have them come in and you know be a guest speaker on our company town halls and you know, they come back mm -hmm. and it also shows the SDRs here, like where could they be in two, mm -hmm. three, four, five, ten mm -hmm. years by, by starting their career here. So it builds that community, that camaraderie, that evolution mm -hmm. of always wanting to get better. But from a business standpoint, for sure, it helps us uh, you know, grow because they're going to be our future clients. Yes. And that reminds me, one thing that we did not cover so much is yet the, the hard part of the SDR, the beginning and the the setbacks and and we get asked a lot how to motivate should we motivate with uh you know monetary uh incentives when they hit something should we just pay more and take away the pressure or is it something else like the role plays the 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 team spirit what, what's your perspective yeah. well let me just clarify the question like how do you incentivize and motivate is that the question Yes. How do you, you keep yeah. uh, SDRs, you know, uh, in, in a good mood and motivated over time? So it's funny you said this because we, we do this every month and we just, today's February 1st uh, in my calendar here. So we, we just did that this month. And here's what's interesting. Um, we survey our reps and ask them what motivates them and mm -hmm. we tailor uh, different compensations, incentives, bonuses, spiffs around what motivates them. Mm. You know, everyone is different. You know, we used to not do this. We just said, okay, everyone gets a big screen TV at the end of the month for the number one guy in the company, right? Mm. That may, maybe that person doesn't want a TV. Like maybe that person already has a TV. Like, a, <laughs> like we don't, we just not get, you're not thinking about that. So mm. we have various ways we motivate. We have course financial incentives and commissions. We also have PTO, free PTO, paid time off baked into different incentives for different programs we run and then we also have incentives like we are doing a social media incentive right now uh he or she who has the most amount of connections at the end of the of 30 days gets a prize and that prize is a, a buffet of options and they get to pick which one they want and so those are just ways financially instead of just throwing mon money at people uh you know you can give them opportunities to go after it and uh, so I think it's very simple to tailor uh, even a large team like I have, uh, you know, especially if you have a smaller team, it's much easier. But I would say even a large team like mine, you can absolutely survey, tailor, tweak and, and make it hyper personal to incentivize people. And they'll, they'll run through walls for something you thought you would never be interested in getting yourself. Right. Love this. What are your favorite sales books or podcasts? Well, I'm a big fan of John Barros. I did his podcast uh, uh, last month, and he's he's a great trainer and a great friend and, and someone who's awesome. Uh, Steve Schmidt, who's on uh, social media, he's he's phenomenal. He creates a lot of content and helps founders uh, create content. And I actually did his podcast uh, a month or two ago. I'm, I'm doing it again soon. So those two guys I know, and I know they're phenomenal. Uh, Justin Michael is great. I just got his book. It's on my desk. 
Uh, he's a good friend and, and, and someone that I absolutely uh, endorse. So I would say personally, those three guys know what the heck they're doing and they're very much successful and, and create good content. And I know this guy named Simon too. He, he's pretty awesome. <laughs> I heard of him too. Uh, where can we connect? Where can we st uh, find your work and, um, and, um, where's the easiest path? Yeah. So, I mean, you could Google my name, Gabe Lulo, and there's, I think 20 or 30 podcasts out there. Um, and then also LinkedIn is where I'm hyper responsive. I post every single day and, uh, all revolving around this conversation. Um, and of course, uh, you can always connect with me there as well. So it's laoop.io and on yep. LinkedIn, it's Gabriel Lulo with a basketball and hands that are assisting right now. That's it. Super cool. Gabe, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, even your framework, curious, coachable, confident, consistent with us. Sales is so important. We're, we, we are really glad to have you as an additional option now in the community and uh, keep rolling, man. Thank you so much. Huge fan again. Thanks so much for having me.